What's up, everybody? Welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jared Scarlato. Today, I have a super special guest who's not paying attention to me at all because she has something on her shirt. Tracy Rankins. Rankins. Not Rankin. Right. With an S. With an S. With an S. Tracy, before we get into everything that we've already talked about the previous (laughs) 10 minutes of our conversation that wasn't recorded, well, it was recorded, just not by this fancy camera over here. <laughs> um, tell me who you are or tell me what you've done. We'll get in, <laughs> we'll get into your story story, but tell me, um, tell me who you are. Tell me what you've done. Wow. Who am I? Um, what have I done? Um, I'm a chef. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, I've done all kinds of good stuff. I mean, I've, Uh, written um, several magazine articles. I just wrote a cookbook. Um, I have done Food Network uh, several times. Um, I have, uh, gosh, I've done all kinds of stuff. That's the good stuff. What shows were you on on Food Network again? Oh, wow. (laughs) Is that just... Too long of a list to, yeah, to pull out. Yeah. You could just Google me and, yeah. and find what mm-hmm. all I've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite what was your favorite show? Or a couple of them mm. maybe, if you can't think of just one. My favorite show was one that I did in Canada actually, mm-hmm. and it was for the cooking channel and it was called um, Sugar Showdown. Okay. And my husband did it with me. And that was pretty hilarious. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was um, it was kind of uh, like you, it, sort of like chopped. You had to find things in the pantry and, and run around and do it. And he had never like even really been my assistant or anything because my sous chef couldn't go with me. And so I had him with me and it was hilarious. It was like, <laughs> it was comical because he was trying so hard to be so helpful. And he's like, but, but what is that? <laughs> he was like, what am I going after? What, what is that? And he burned the bacon. I was doing a cake that had bacon on it, and he burned it like four times, and it was crazy. I was like, you watch that bacon. Don't you burn it again. Bacon but, on a sugar show? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you can, I guess you could put bacon on anything. That saying that, like, uh, bacon go, goes good with anything is a true saying? Yeah. So what'd you make? I made – I ended up making a um, cake – that I did in a waffle iron because it had to be something like really unique too. So it was like a stack of waffles with cake batter and like white chocolate and bacon on top. And the theme was breakfast in bed. And so that was, that was what it was. And you had to, your partner had to be your partner. So that's why like my sous chef couldn't do it with me because I had to actually have my partner. Oh, he actually couldn't do it with you. Right, right. Not like he was busy, but like Right. He it wasn't to be, allowed your to. Your husband had to yeah, be there. My husband that's because funny. he's my partner. Which really, you know, when you're working everybody knows you have your work partner and your and your actual partner. Home partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your two husbands or two wives or whatever you have. It's just how it works out, but No doubt. Yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. Breakfast in bed, and you made a, <laughs> yeah. a cake out of waffles. Yeah, and just knew I was going to win it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you were so confident. I know this is going to happen. I didn't win. I was like, but it was pretty cool, though, because I, um, 
you know, my one of my favorite words, unfortunately, but fortunately, because it's such a good word, is the F word, you know. And so I'm running around the set. It is. It can be good or bad. And I was running around the set, and I was going, "Oh, where's the F and blah blah blah, whatever." And (laughs) and so then I saw, looked over at one time, and I saw the producer. I mean, not the producer, the director. And he he goes, "Okay, okay, I'll tell her." And I was like, oh, man, I'm getting ready to get kicked off of this show. And he comes over to me and he says, "Uh, Tracy, look, um, for the first time in the history of our show. And I'm like, oh, here it comes. Here we go. He goes, "Uh, the producer actually wants to meet you and wants to taste your cake. And I was like, what? Really? And so I didn't win the, the competition, but I did get to have lunch with the producer. And then they, like, offered me my own show. So. Cool. I was like, I did kind of win. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. It was nice. a lot of fun. That's funny that you say, speaking of the F word. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Tell me more. Um, have you ever seen the movie Boondock Saints? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you know the the scene that I'm talking about when they're in the... I'm assuming most of the world has not seen Boondock Saints, which, by the way, (laughs) if you have not seen it, you should definitely see it. But just be prepared for a lot of guns and a lot of F-words. Like every other movie out there today. Well, that's that's very true. (laughs) But there's the scene where, I don't know, they went into this mob room and all these mob guys are laying dead and one guy comes Yeah, one guy comes in and he's he's like the patsy who they were going to send in to be like basically get killed or you know whatever happened to him happen and then his two buddies like drop through the ceiling and they come in and they find his little six shooter and there's seven or eight guys there and they're like what were you going to do? Laugh the last three to death? And the guy's going, what the F? F this? F this? And it certainly illustrates the, the diversity of the word. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Squirrel. Squirrel. I know, right? That was very much a squirrel statement. That was very much a squirrel That's story. okay. I live like that. So, um, But I think you can now because then there's the rest of your story. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, which is more... Well, original or at first it's more serious, but now, of course, it's always serious. But you have learned to make the best of what's happening. So, what's the what's the rest of your story? Uh, The rest of my story. um, My husband and I uh, went from uh, opening our bakery, uh, buying our dream home. Uh, everything being absolutely 100% perfect and going just like we wanted it to go, just like, you know, the little picket fence and, you know, unicorns and butterflies, to uh, finding out I had stage three um, breast cancer. And so uh, we had decided we would lose the house, we would lose whatever we needed to lose, but we could not lose the business. So I would go and do chemo, and then come back and work in the bakery 14 hours a day. And I did that because if I lost the bakery, I would lose my insurance. Mm. And so, you know, just like everybody else in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, we did lose our house. We lost our cars. We lost everything. And uh, so when I was talking earlier about sleeping in the floor at the bakery. That's why. Yeah, yeah. And did he sleep there? So, did y'all, so y'all slept there? Uh, I did. Yeah. Um, 
only because I was like working it, it, you know, breathing it. It was my, when I look back on it now, it wasn't that we had to keep the bakery to keep my insurance. It was, I mean, it was, but it was, we had to keep the bakery to keep my sanity. Mm. I couldn't, I had to have something else to focus on besides killing, you know, killing this breast cancer before it gets me. And I did. I won. That was in 2013. And then in 2016, they're like, oh, you're cancer free. So I beat it. And then um, this time last year, uh, just kind of a freak thing. I got a really uh, bad headache and went to the hospital and uh, uh, for like a migraine. And, um, and I have a really high pain tolerance level, so it takes a lot to take me out, you know, and, and, uh, the doctors wanted to do a a quick CT scan of my brain just to make sure, you know, no brain bleed or anything when you have a migraine like that. And, and he said, well, your brain's beautiful, but you have a mass in your chest. They could see the top of my lung. And I was like, what? And so if I would not have gotten that headache, I would not have known And the doctor told me that if I would have not known, I would have had about six months. Um, Now I am uh, a year and four months into uh, treatment. Uh, I have treatment once a month. And um, I'm now stage four uh, and I'm terminal. So that means I have what is called... um, uh, metastatic breast cancer. So it is, even though it's in my lungs and in my lymph nodes, it's not called lung cancer because it's actually the breast cancer that is moved. And so they call it metastatic and it's still considered breast cancer. Um, it's inoperable uh, because believe me, I was like, uh, I can live with one lung. Just go ahead and take that one out. <laughs> but yeah. you can't do that. And um, so one day um, after you know, a few days of feeling sorry for myself. Uh, my husband said, now look, you can either die with cancer or you can live with it. And when he said that, I was like, strong statement, girl. I was like, wait a minute. You are so right. And so I think, you know, it took me, you know, a couple of days for that to sink in. And then I was like, you're exactly right. And so he who had always been a uh, writer and he did screenplays and we like flew to LA and we, you know, sold his screenplays and we just had like this great life, which was now Literally nothing, turned you know, up, yeah. turned completely lost yeah. everything. Um, we uh, decided he would go, he, he's like, I'm going back to school and I'm going to do something so that we can travel. And uh, so he did. He went back to school, and now wow, he, he went back to school. Went back to school. <laughs> totally changed his That's career. Crazy. That's love. That That's is. what that is. He did that for me, and I'm just like, I get all emotional just thinking about somebody devoting that much time for their person, and so now he does physical therapy. And he chose that because I had to have so much physical therapy with my treatment that he was like, man, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. That gives back. 
he's that kind of person. And so now we travel and um, we do, you know, three months here and there. He does 13 week, you know, jobs and we get to see all kinds of stuff and meet all kinds of people. And I get to do my bucket list and it's been just phenomenal. And, and uh, I think the, the best part is the people like meeting the different people, the different cultures, the different, you know, it's been really, really cool, really, really uh, eye-opening, you know. And, and plus, I go back all the time to I could be, I can sit and wait to die or I can get out there and live. And so that's, that's a what I'm statement. doing. That is such a strong statement. Well, and I think that so many people think of when you're told, as you know, women, when you're told, I'm sorry, you have, you know, stage two, stage three, stage four breast cancer. They're like, well, that's that. But it's not that. And it's, I'm taking a drug that um, kind of uh, tricks my cancer into not growing because it eats the, it lives off of that drug, which keeps it from reproducing because cancer is a fast reproducer. And so it's bought me time. Well, from the first time I was diagnosed with cancer in 2013 until now, they, they came out with this drug. So I'm fairly confident that, or are, are hoping real hard that they'll find something uh, as my time, you know, goes on, but right now I'm stable and in cancer language, that means it's not growing, but it's not shrinking. So, so if it doesn't grow and doesn't shrink, you can't like, how do I ask this question? (laughs) Um, (laughs) you You can can live longer. You can continue to just stay like Will your physicality stay the same? Like you just have to continue if, your if treatment? If I was Catholic, I'm in purgatory? Is uh, no, that I'm what you're saying? <laughs> you're like in this weird, like, middle of... How, where, how do you go up or down? No, I'm kidding. It, it's, it is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much. And But, so I asked my oncologist, I'm like, so does that mean I'm in, like, remission? And she's like, oh, no. No. Remission is backwards. Like it's, yeah, remission it's, is like, well, remission is it's not growing, mm. but but you can't see it either. Mm. So it's kind of like it's there, but it's not there sort of, you know. It's not detectable. Yeah, and I'm not because mine is very detectable. You mm. can see it in, you know, CAT scans, whatever. But um, I just have to ignore that and hope that they um, come out with something else the weird thing about the drug that I take now it does make my hair fall out but my hair also grows as fast as it's falling out so that's like really weird yeah uh my fingernails Mm -hmm. um come off like Like, which is not painfully like and it's not you know like they don't bleed it's not gross it's just like they stay looking like I have a real bad habit of nail biting, which is so funny to me because my hands have always been like one of my things that I like prided myself in. Like, oh, you, some nice hands there. <laughs> but 
especially like doing photos of food and stuff. My hands have been photographed like so many You're times. You're always holding stuff. And right. Holding and now, and... now I look like I'm like the most nervous person in the world with these little stubs that. Like a cigarette smoker. I know. Like, like, yeah, like, <laughs> just gnaw these things. But that's just how they are and they won't grow. They won't do anything. So the, that's kind of weird. But um, other than that, I'm just like holding out for a, not a cure, but something that'll. You know, if I can squeak out 10 more years, then, you know, hey, whatever. Because I don't, I don't always feel bad. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have bad days and I have good days. But, I mean, I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I find that I guess the best way to put it is now, for the first time in my life, I choose my battles. You know, I decide what irritates me and what doesn't. When instead before, of yeah, instead of just having lots of road rage or what, you know, I tell myself, oh, that person that's irritating me right now, they're just living their best life, you know, and and try to be more uh, more patient and and to be kind and to love big and to do all the things that I think everybody would do if they knew their time was limited you know you should live like that every day anyway though girl here's the thing like <laughs> everyone's time is limited but we don't know that ah no i think we know it but we don't recognize it we don't take the time to think about it so what and here's here's the paradox of your <laughs> situation like on one end, you have this terrible thing that no one would wish upon anybody, right, except right. maybe their mortal enemy, but, you know, anyway, that's another <laughs> story for another day. Yeah. But no one would wish upon anybody, no one would want anybody, but it happened, like, of course, like, of course. Right. On the other end, it's like, and again, that just depends on how you want to frame it, mm -hmm. like, you have this blessing where it's like, damn, I know. Yeah. But most people don't. Like, most people, like, the idea that, like, you could literally yeah. die tomorrow is true. Now, the odds are small, of course, for most people. Yeah. But the idea is very, very true. But most people don't want to take the time to confront it. Yeah. I think the only people in my life that could die tomorrow would be my kids, and they know it, and that's only if I kill them because they, because <laughs> I have six of them. But, um... Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's, I, so, I get amazed every day at the things that people let get to them, like a bad hair day, or oh, it's a Monday. Uh, well, and what we were oh Monday, yeah, we start <laughs> on that. Um, what we were talking about at the coffee shop one of our previous conversations this day. So <laughs> thus far, we've had like three of them. Um, we were talking about your one friend who's having, she, she has skin cancer and she's getting a piece taken off of her leg and she's going to have uh, yeah. a little scar on her leg and she's not happy about it. She's very upset about it. And we talked about people's pain tolerance and yeah. people's pain levels and yeah. how yeah. we just, we have no like, we have no gauge on what like real what's what's actually important right until something happens right right but you have to remember too that the degree of importance to you is different than my degree you know so 
to to my friend who's um, who I hope never hears this, <laughs> who uh, is just freaking out over this little quarter size scar she's gonna have on her leg. Um, that may be the biggest thing that has ever happened to her and ever will happen to her, you know, and then, you know, there's people who, uh, here I am, you know, uh, stage four terminal and there's people who are way worse off than, um, I am. And a, a good example of that is my uncle, my mom's youngest brother called me about five days ago and he said, I need to know your secret. I just found out I have liver cancer. What's your secret? How are you? How are you staying alive? How do you, how do you, what are you doing? Give me your secret. You know, he was just terrified. And I said, well, I'm going to live my best life and I'm going to leave here kicking and screaming just like, you know, and he said, okay, okay, okay. I got it. And my cousin called me this morning. He died last night. Oh, man. And so, but he didn't know. He he thought he was going to, yeah, you know, keep, keep going. Keep going yeah. But they had just found his way too late too in late, the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's uh, you just don't know. <clears throat> and you just have to. I think in this, I think when, and and this is like getting a little weird sideways off the subject, but not really. It's, I think when COVID hit, um, people were given the permission to be rude and obnoxious and not kind. And now here we are trying to undo the damage that COVID did, not just as a, as as a group of human beings trying to overcome like a, a a disease but we the the other damage that it did that you don't necessarily it's not a disease but it it's become like a disease it where is. people are just not it's a mental, kind it's a mental disease yeah <clears throat> they're not kind they're uh it's just so strange to me to to even um, get out into the world now, and you can just see uh, how unkind people are now, and it just makes me sad. And at first, I thought maybe it was because I'm an older generation, because I'm 58. So I was thinking, well, maybe it's just because in my generation, we were taught to open the door for you know, your elders and, and, uh, you know, guys were taught to open the door for a girl and that, that if you go out to dinner, the guy pays and, you know, that kind of situation. And now it's like, you know, if a guy tries to pay, then he's being, you know, like telling the, yeah, you're incapable of paying me, man, me paying, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's, that's not that. It's just, kindness you know I mean whoever can pay but it's it's just the whole everybody's afraid of stepping on everybody's toes now to the point where they're stepping on everybody's toes <laughs> right you know it's like, right and it's the blindness that God. people don't pay attention to like it's not it's the unawareness Jonna tell me so, go ahead 
unconscious. Unconscious, conscious, it will dictate your life and you will call it fate. So, like, because people aren't aware that they're the freaking problem. Right. They're pointing their fingers at everybody else and going, everybody else is the problem. Yeah, and it's never going to get fixed. And it's never going to get fixed until you go, well, I'm actually part of everybody else. Yeah. Like, I'm part of the community. I'm part of the society. I am contributing to the problem. Yeah. I am contributing to what's happening, and whether it's good or bad. If there's yeah. prosperity, you're contributing to the prosperity. If there's problems, you're contributing to it some way, shape, or form. Yeah. In some form or fashion. And especially if you're going, you're the problem. Yeah. If you're going, oh, society is the problem. Yeah. Then it's, it's very clear that you're the problem. Like, it's also you. But, Not, no, but nobody wants to be the first one to help. Responsibility is no fun. It's, it, so it's, it's like standing on a street corner and watching and waiting for who's going to, who's going to take the first step. Who's, who's going to step off of the curb and shoot the gap. You know, it's like, who's going? Cause I'm going when they go, but I'm not going first. You know, no it, doubt. oh man, it just, it makes me sad. It makes me so sad. It, um, I have to keep reminding myself every day that, well, they're living their best life. They're doing what they want to do. And that's what makes them happy, you know, but well, or am I making an excuse? You are, I think you are, <laughs> Yeah. but I think everyone else is too. And I don't say that. I think like people hear me, anybody else that does a podcast, anybody else right. that does a video and they're like, well, they, that means they think they're doing well. I don't think I'm doing as good as I can do. I don't think I'm as close to doing as good as I can do for myself being the best person that I can so that hopefully other people can either A, see that and also want to be good people or I can contribute to their life in some way, shape, or form so that right. they can get that feeling and then they want to give other people that feeling at the same time. I don't think that most people are living their best lives. Oh, no. I don't think that that's the case. I believe that most people are in that moment, they're I doing... I don't think they know how. I don't think they realize they're not living their best life. Mm. I think that you get... It's kind of like I was talking to one of my kids the other day, and I was like, you can either stagnate, which... And, it, and, and just be happy with what you have and, and be a settler, or you can be a front runner. And... How do you know when you're just, you know, settling and how do you know when it's time to be a front runner? And don't let it be like me when you're like, oh, my time is limited. It's time to bolt. You know, it's time to get out there. And luckily, I've always been like a front runner. I have always, every job I've ever had, I started at the bottom and then I was running that place, you know, within six weeks. And I'm like, okay, on to the next adventure. I've always been that way. And, and I don't understand what makes some of us like that. And some of us are just happy going to our nine to five and having three kids and a wife who you know, maybe she stays home, maybe she doesn't, or the, the husband that stays home, maybe, and, and she works, whatever, works for them, and that's what they do, and they've bought a little house, and they're just 
that, you know, and you ask them, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And they're just like, here, oh, here, you know, they take the little vacation every summer, the two weeks, because that's what he gets off work. And, you know, maybe she's a teacher, which I'm not saying anything's wrong with being a teacher. I'm just saying they, they know their schedule is always, it coincides, you know, and I just, I can't, I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. I've mm-hmm. never wanted to do that. Well, so I don't know because the world takes all kinds, right? If everybody were the same, then it would be a boring world, right? So I think, I believe that it's necessary to have the person who wants to be the front runner and then the person who wants, who's comfortable and happy being not the front runner. The wallflower. The I think the the discrepancy comes in whenever you are the person who's in the middle and you're complaining about it, but you're not doing anything about it. Yep. So that's the discrepancy. And that's where I think a lot of society is partly conditioned, to be totally honest. Partly it's conditioned through media, through yeah. what you know, what society normally does. We look at what society normally does and a lot of society complains about what they do and how their life is at life is. And so we complain along with them. But like, if you're happy doing that and you're a school teacher and that's what you're happy with and you feel blessed in doing that, then good on you. Like that's, that's wonderful. Not that anything's wrong with being a school teacher. Let's just put that out there right now. hundred (laughs) percent. Before somebody comes at us. Yeah. Before a school teacher comes at us. Thank well, you. Thank you for who I am. A hundred percent. And that's the, that's the thing is like, sadly, school teachers only get paid 25, 30,000, right. 35,000 They make it so you don't want to be one. Right. Now. Yeah. And so like, but that's not like being a school teacher is not the thing. But if you're a school teacher and you're complaining about being a school yeah. teacher and you don't feel like there's anything you can do about it, that's a different conversation. That's yeah. when I go, you can do something about it. You can change. Well, mm-hmm. it's too late for me to change or... I'm already here, or why would I go somewhere else? I get good benefits, or... Yeah, that's my... Yeah, they feel stuck. Mm -hmm. They are, and I think you're right, they're conditioned to feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like nothing gets me more than when somebody says, oh, I'm too old. My husband was 50 when he went back to college. 50. Yeah. You know, do you know how hard it is? That, I mean, uh, you're not 50, so, but your brain does <laughs> work not work the same. That's right, you do. Yeah. Your brain does not work the same when you're 50. It is harder for you to retain and remember. Learn new stuff. And, you know, and so it was hard for him, but he did it. And so it, it's never too late to, you know, and that's one of the things I teach my kids. I, I teach them. To me, the important things to teach your kids are if you do it and it's not right, you own it. You own it, you apologize for it, and you learn from it, and you move on. Another thing I teach them is the only person that can change anything about your life is you. You are the only person that can change that. And and those are, like, the two things that I've, like, really pounded into my kid's head. It's like, you know, own it, you're the only change. And the, the, the last thing that I really wanted them to know is when you're traveling down a road 
to uh, one of my daughters is going to law school and uh, she's, she's in her last year. She's doing great. And she's decided now with the way and everything that's happening with society and how it's changing that she's decided she still wants to be an attorney, but she wants to go into civil rights, mm. which I think is awesome. Mm -hmm. Means, well, she's not going to make any money, but she's going to help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing that I've taught my kids is if you're headed down a road and you don't like where you're going, then you can, you can take another route, man. You do not have to keep going down that path that when I was growing up, you were taught if you want to be a doctor, then you have to stay on that path. And if you back out of it, well, you're a failure. You know, there's no failure here. It's you can deviate from your plan and still be just as successful. And that's like the three things that I've taught my kids and like just really made sure that they understood is you can be anybody you want to be. And it's like one of my sons, oh, I'm so mad at him right now, but I love him, but I'm mad at him <laughs> because he just had a daughter. <clears throat> and he said to me the other day that um, he would never support her wanting to be president. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you would not support one of your children's dreams. Is that what I'm hearing here? And he goes, well, women, <laughs> and I was like, be careful Whoa, now, careful buddy. now. Mm -hmm. He says, women don't need to be president. And this reason I thought I was going to like have to jump on him. Uh, women are too emotional to be president because they're led by estrogen, which could make them just go crazy if they're PMSing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Where'd you learn that, bud? So I'm like, well, he grew up in South Mississippi, which is where I was born. Mm -hmm. And that's where all women should be barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen. Uh, got it. And that mentality is still being taught Prevalent. today. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was like really surprised when I said, so let me get this straight. So when your daughter grows up, my granddaughter, my flesh and blood grows up and says, I want to be the president of the United States. You're going to say No. You're going to discourage one of your kids from being all they can be. Which kind of actually made me feel really bad as a parent because I was like, I raised this thing. So, <laughs> so where did where'd you, you get that thinking get from, that? buddy? Yeah, yeah. I, especially with me being like just so, you know, I'm all about people and saving people and you know, when I had my bakery, when my husband and I had our bakery, what we didn't uh, serve at the end of the day, I had a homeless kitchen, a homeless group. Uh, well, it was an organization for uh, battered women and, and a woman's shelter and the homeless. And they would come and get all of the baked goods that we had left over at the end of the day, every day, mm. and distribute it to them. And... I mean, I'm all about 
help. I just, I, it takes a village mm -hmm. and it takes people to help people. You can't, you know, when they, when they had like uh, the hurricanes in Puerto Rico, we ended up, I partnered with a company, a logistics company, and I had two semi truck loads of clothes and food and blankets and, you know, just toothpaste and whatever they needed that we got shipped over there, you know, because we're one of the things that people forget is we're, we're all one tribe. We may look different. We may have different skin tones. We may speak different languages, but we are all human beings and we all bleed if you cut us and we all have to help each other. And that is what gets forgotten and because the wealthy people just keep getting richer and the poor people just keep getting poorer. And it's not that I want to just hand out money. That's not what it's about. Because being kind and taking care of somebody is free. And that's what everybody forgets all the time. I just got the chills. Um, <laughs> seriously. But you're so right. And I think we lose perspective because we get caught up in our own little life, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I like to do is whenever I'm getting caught up in my own small world problems, right. which, which are very small world problems, always, almost always westernized issue. Like what, what's the saying? Like first, thir uh, first world problems. Yeah. Like they're almost always first world problems. Almost always. No, I'll say always. They're always first world problems because yeah. third world problems are like I have no food. Like that's a problem. Yeah, that Other is. than that, like most of the time they're first world problems. For me, that's a real problem. I don't have any food. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I'm, I'm in serious. I'm looking forward to having some of your food at some point. I'll Aww. be 100% honest with you. Thank you. Thank you. But like visualizing, I'm a big fan of stars anyway, but like visual in the universe, but like visualizing what the earth looks like from our closest star even, even the sun, even if we were, I was on the sun and like you were looking at the earth, like the earth would be probably that big around. A quarter would be my guess. Maybe smaller. I have no clue what it would look like because the sun's gigantic. Be and cool it looks, to know, wouldn't it? It looks, I don't know, whatever size it looks. <laughs> like it looks looks big, but if you're on the sun, the earth's not, it's, I think there's like a thousand earths can fit into the sun or maybe it's more wow. than that. So like I would imagine the earth would look teeny tiny. Right. So like unless you actually take the time to step back and look at the whole forest and go, well, crap, what? Yep, we all got to make sure we make the best out of this place because otherwise that little dot right there like ain't going to last very long. Right. But that's a tough perspective. Like stepping back and being able to look, being able to do that takes purposefulness. Like you actually have to do it and you have to train yourself to do it. Do you think that you did that, that you've done that like regularly? Or you think that like since you had cancer the first time 10 years ago that that like maybe that started to become more obvious to you? I think it has to be honestly taught to you. Uh, and I say that because both of my parents were doctors. Um, my dad, um, my mom and dad actually uh, started like the first methadone clinic in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, my dad was a real well-known, um, heart 
a cardiologist. Um, and they would give free medical care. If so, I can remember my dad, like if somebody, uh, you know, when I was a kid, he would be like, oh, uh, so-and-so, Miss Smith uh, brought a turkey because she couldn't pay her, you know, or, or Mr. Jones brought us a case of eggs today because he couldn't pay his, you know, he, he, and my dad would do that. And I mean, and that was in my lifetime. That was, you know, and I'm not that old. I'm, you know, but I think things have gotten so out of hand and people are raised differently by different groups, which I like to call them, even though it's still a culture, it's still like my parents were like, really laid back and wanted to give back to the world and give back to, to, you know, I was taught, you know, you don't litter and you, you know, you don't leave a footprint when, you know, I grew up hiking the Appalachian trail, you know, with my parents and, and then I have a friend who, uh, her dad was an alcoholic. Her mom, her, both her parents were alcoholics and her life was all about survival and it didn't matter who you had to step on to get what you needed. You had to do what you needed, you know. And then I was raised to treat everybody kind and, you know, by the hippie, you know, flower <laughs> child, mm -hmm. you know. And then you have somebody who comes up on uh, government assistance. And, and so they teach their children how to work the system. Well, I was taught how to work my system and my friend who was an alcoholic whose parents were alcoholics was taught to work her system and so we're all a product of our lifetime environment and I think it's you know you have to start with your children and that your children become an extension of you. So if we want this world to be a better place, and we want, you know, so many people now, like the environment is going to crap. And everybody's mentality is, well, what, I, it's... What are you going to do about so, it? So uh, as long as I'm here, uh, it'll, it'll just be messed up once I'm dead. I don't care. You know, they don't think about, well, what about my grandchildren? What about my great-grandchildren? I mean, there's so many times. It's like when I went to the Louvre in Paris, and I'm standing there, and I'm just inches. I can see the brush strokes in a Van Gogh. And I'm just crying my eyes out. And I'm thinking, at some point in time, Van Gogh stood painting this picture and life was going on around him and he had no idea that one day this, and it was actually his self-portrait. Oh yeah. And I was like, at no point in time when he was painting that picture, did he ever stop and go, well, this will be hanging in one of the most famous museums in the world and people, thousands and hundreds and millions and billions of people are going to pass by it every day and go, oh, look at that. You know, I mean, when you think about life like that, it amazes me. You know, it's like the history of things, like going to, 
you know, like a Spanish fort that was like down in, in South Carolina and standing there and looking out at the battery and going, soldiers stood here. Hmm. Did they ever think that they were fighting so that I could stand here one day? And people don't think like that anymore. And all they, everybody lives in the moment and they're living in their moment. And that's okay. They're doing, you know, and in my, in my cookbook, one of the things, my, one of my favorite sayings is you do you, Mm. you know, you do you, but somewhere there needs to be a, we, we need to do us, you know, because my, I'm having my first great grandchild this year. It is cool. not born yet, but yeah. it's on the way. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. And that is part of me that is going to be left on this earth. And then when when my great-grandchild has great-grandchildren, mm. that's my legacy. And what am I leaving them? And this is a conversation that people have had hundreds and thousands of times. Like, well, I have to leave it great for my grandchildren. But you, if you really stop and think and you get in your head... You know, just like me standing in front of Van Gogh and and going, man, you know, did he ever think of this moment? Because he wasn't, he's not capable of, of when he was painting that thing going, yep, it's going to, this is going to be in the Louvre one day. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a, there's a piece of him that, that lived on and that is, it's cherished, it's guarded you know, and it's, it's, if I think if everybody lived as though they needed to have something cherished and guarded, then this world would be like so much better. A hundred percent. There's a, um, series of courses on audible called the great courses. I don't know if you've ever yeah. listened to yeah. listen to any of them. Um, well, they have tons of courses, yeah, but there's yeah. one guy on there. He's, he probably passed away 10 years ago at this point. Uh, Jay Rufus fears is his name. And he does like, he has like 10 courses on there and they're all on history and books and stuff like that. One of the things that he says a lot in all of his courses is one of the things that we learn from history is that humans don't learn from history. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly what you're talking about. Like number one. So I'm, I'm in the process of reading, um, uh, what am I trying to say right now? Oh, the last lion by, uh, it's about, it's about Winston Churchill. Oh yeah. It's basically documents his life from beginning to end. And right now it's, it's talking about world war two and how that got started right. and so on and so forth. Like if you just take a second to actually, and you don't have to read these books, like the book, the, this is the third edition and each one of these books is a thousand pages long. So it's a lot of reading. Right, like you don't right. have to go that in depth, but like, even like even Rome, like when Caesar took over Rome two hundred two thousand years ago, like it's literally exactly what's happening today in the United yeah. States. It's the exact same thing, like yes. just two thousand years ago. But we think, oh, it's two thousand years ago, and they weren't as smart as we are now. I would tell weren't you that they, they were a lot smarter than probably they? we are because they didn't have machines talking for them. But that's another conversation. Um, but like, it's exactly that. Like if you just take a second to look back and see that, like. Like, 2,000 years ago, 
Julius Caesar was trying to take over Rome because he believed that it was the best thing for the rest of Rome moving forward. Right. The people who were trying to fight against him believed the opposite. So they were trying to stop him from taking over Rome because they believed that having a Roman Republic was the best thing moving forward. Right. And so, like, if you, if you just take a second to learn a few basic things and go, well, well, crap, like, what I do today is going to impact what happens, uh, like, how society is going to be in 10 years, in 100 years, in 1,000 years, and potentially 2,000 years. But, but are we the only, is it like your generation and my generation, the only ones that really think about that? Because like my daughter's generation, like my daughter that's in law school, um, her generation just thinks about uh, the new Balenciagas that just came out and you know, if you if you do your hair this way and I need to be wearing, you know, uh, I need, you know, NARS makeup and I need, you know, everything has to These be... These shoes. Because and- it's all about sh- social status now, you know, and, and it's all about who you are and what you got, not about who you are. Mm-hmm. It's you're now judged off of what you got instead of what you've got got. Mm, that's good you know well again the irony is like that's been around a long time too but but it's just more prevalent now because now you can open up your phone and you can scroll and you can see what everyone else got like keeping up with the joneses has been a thing for years right oh yeah it's been a thing for a long time it's made easy peasy now yeah but now you like you open up your phone and you're not only keeping up with the Joneses, you're also keeping up with the Smiths and Johnsons and yeah. this person and that person. So like, it's almost like the level has been like has been the bar has been raised so oh, high yeah. that people are willing to sacrifice so much to try and to try and meet that bar, which is which means nothing to most people, honestly. But they think it has to mean something to them, right? Yep. So, like, we're throwing all these distractions to keep us from actually being able to pay attention to the things that are important to, in life, like you said, and thinking about how our imp- – and think about our impact on the future. Like, I think we're deliberately being thrown distractions to keep us from actually paying attention to that because if it took a second – like, if we took a second as a society yeah. today to sit and actually think about how – we're treating each other as a society and we actually thought about it, we might actually do something about it. But the people who don't want us to do that can't afford to do that because we might actually do something about it. Like we might actually step in and start taking action on, hey, we said like our forefathers 248 years ago sacrificed themselves. Yeah. They thought about us. I'm certain they did. I'm certain that 248 years ago, those men, they were all men at the time, but they all said, we want a great society 250 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 2,000 years from now. Because what guided them, honestly, was... The future. Was the future. And they looked to Rome, and they looked to Greece, and what happened in Rome and Greece to guide how they wanted things to be. Like, they used Greece and and Rome and the Roman Republic to guide the structure of the constitution. They used that. So they used history to guide themselves to make a future that they believed would be the best future for a society. But we don't take it. We don't have any time to think about that. Well, no. And now I think if I hear one more person say, that's not, that's my constitutional right. I'm going to punch (laughs) him in the throat. 
Yeah. Because they don't even care how it became their right. They just know it's their right and you can, you can, you know. Shove it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just, now you've got me all like thinking deep. It, I always feel this way though. I, I, it's funny. It's like my husband and I always think this way and, and that's just who we are, you know, and, uh, we're getting ready to, uh, be in, um, uh, Olympia, Washington for his next, that's the next 13 uh, weeks. Yeah. For his next. And, and so we've already like thought about the way we wanted to go out there and, and we always drive to everywhere we go, but obviously cause we want to have our car when, you know, that's a good drive, but, and it's always like fun. Like we always make an adventure out of it. And we, we, this time are going through Yellowstone and I'm like really looking forward to that because, uh, or I was, let me, let me back up. I was looking forward to that because I thought it would be pretty magical. But once I started investigating it and, and looking more into it, then I realized that we may pass by because it has become so touristy. Hmm. And, uh, I think the magic is is gone. Um, there's just there's too many of us right now. <laughs> it's getting crowded. It's getting crowded around here. Yeah, it's not it's not that I want to thin it out, but you know, <laughs> it it's just I think things have just changed so much and then too much sometimes that it's hard for me to uh, even wrap my brain around it. I know I was talking to my son who is in his third year of college. I have three in college right now. Wow. And he said, uh, I said, what'd you do this past weekend? And he said, well, hung out with my friends. And I was like, oh, cool. Where'd y'all go? What'd you do? And he goes, we didn't go anywhere or do anything. And I'm like, well, then would y'all hang out in your dorm room? Mm -hmm. What did you, he goes, no. And I'm like, well, then how'd you hang out? He goes, Mom, we texted. <laughs> and I was like... And he said they were hanging out? That's what they called hanging out. I was like, wait, let me get this straight. So each one of y'all stayed in your dorm room and you group texted each other. He's like, yeah, that's what we do most weekends. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you didn't actually like put on clothes, leave your dorm room, go to somebody else's dorm room, and say, hey, let's go get a coffee, let's go see a movie, let's go walk around the park, let's go to a picnic, let's go for a hike, none of that. And he's like, why would we do that? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's called socializing? Yeah, that's hanging he, out. He's like, but we were socializing, that's how, and I'm like, that's crazy. And then sometimes they'll even FaceTime, like the group will FaceTime. And instead of, being person. Like being able to, you know, poke, poke somebody in the eye mm. or something. They're like FaceTiming. And I'm like, well, how does that work with you and your partner? Because we don't say boyfriend or girlfriend anymore because mm -hmm. we don't know, you know, so what, it's, what it it's their partner. Yeah. And 
they can be a they, them, or a he, she, or a her, Whatever him, or what, that. and I'm like, it. okay. And I'm not, don't get me, don't come for me. Don't come for <laughs> don't me. Don't track me down. Don't track me uh, down. You do you. I'll be somewhere different in 13 weeks anyway, so. It, yeah, right? <laughs> Very skittish. It, it, it's so, and I'm like, okay, so d- does your person come, like, spend the night with you? Or, like, because when I was in college... Sneaking somebody into your dorm to like... That was the thing. I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> Let's have- you sneaking into my dorm tonight yeah. or am I mm-hmm. sneaking into yours? You know? No doubt. But now he, he he's like, we don't do that. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I don't want that much into your life, but you don't like... And, and just so you know, like me and my kids, we don't call it like sex. We call it... Trying on a pair of shoes. <laughs> I was waiting for like canoodling or. Because I told <laughs> my kids, I'm like, before you get married, you need to try on a few pair of shoes because there is nothing worse than getting a pair of shoes that don't feel good. <laughs> so you try on shoes before you buy them. Try before you buy. They're like, okay, I love my mom. Then Amazon so, master that try before you buy thing. Right. And so <laughs> maybe not in the same. I'm context. like, you you don't try on shoes. And he said, I'm not having this conversation with you, but no, I'm not trying on shoes until I marry it. And I'm like, big mistake, Mister. Big mistake. And he's like. Well, maybe in your age and time, it would have been a big mistake, but it's all part of the surprise package. And I said, I hate surprises. I hate surprises. <laughs> so. I hate surprises. And I want a surprise. Yeah. I want to know my shoe fits like a glove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but my kids are, they're mm. like. Yeah, all their all their lives growing up, I was I, that was my fourth thing I taught them. Mm-hmm. Besides all that really good stuff in there, you know, you get what you give, and you know all that. Try on shoes, and then if the shoe fits, wear it. Exactly, exactly, and it has to be a good quality shoe. Now, don't go to the thrift store. <laughs> yeah, we want a because good you can shoe. get a lot of shoes at the thrift store. You can, and they're. Sometimes Generally. they're old and worn out and mismatched. and <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out if we're actually talking about shoes at this point. Or what <laughs> it's like, you need to go to a good mm. you know, upper, upper scale shoe store, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. I used to pick on the guys that my daughters would date because I would say, you know, um, what kind of car do you drive? And they would be like, oh, my. My parents bought me a Chevette, and so, but when I get my job, I'm going to get me, I'm like, nope, no. It's a worn out pair of shoes right there. I'm like, no, we, it, it's, I'm like, she's, I, I would raise my kids to be accustomed to a Mercedes mm. so that anything less than that, no, I'm mm-hmm. kidding, I didn't. You can, uh, uh, an old Chevette will get you where you're going, so. (laughs) Point A to point B. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't ever want to raise a bunch of little social climbers, Mm. so I always, uh, I never wanted them to be so proud that they wouldn't eat a pack of ramen or a stale piece of bread with bologna, so. (laughs) 
Well, I think that goes back to the <laughs> conversation we had earlier. We were talking about earlier about being a front runner. Yeah. Um, I think also, and I don't remember if this conversation was in the podcast or before the podcast or at the coffee shop or <laughs> where this one happened, but I think it also go back, goes back to the difference between being happy and being complacent. Yeah. If you're like, it's one thing to be happy with your life, to be happy with yourself, to realize that you're a person worth respect, love, care, right. both from others and from yourself. It's another thing to be complacent when in life. And I don't believe, I believe that you should strive to be happy, but I don't believe you should strive to be complacent. I believe that right. you should strive to do your best, that you should strive to, and, and, and the definition for best for any human being is going to be different going back to the school teacher thing. Like for a school teacher, it's potentially the best school teacher possible. Like right. I want to teach these kids. I want to leave an impact on them. For other people, it's going to be make the most money possible. Right, right. I don't believe that either one of those is right or wrong. I be they're both very legitimate things to strive for. Well, that's you do you. Yeah, that's you do you. Yeah. The question is, what do you do with it? Right? What yes. do you do with it? Because you can be an asshole and have a lot of money, and that's what most people pinpoint people with a lot of money, and that's why society now tells us that we're a bad person if we want to be a quote front runner and a winner, yeah. because that's egotistical yeah. and, and you're a bad person yeah. and so on and so forth. But if you don't have money, you can't help people. I mean, you can with your time. Yeah. But then if you're using all of your time to help people, you're ability to help a mass group yeah. of people is very small. Yeah. You can yeah. only help so many people with your time. You can help a lot of people with millions of dollars. Yeah. You can help a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I um, agree. going back to the idea of being a of being a front runner, like how do you start to teach like how do you start to teach like your kids? You're talking about you want them to be able to not be too proud. To well, see, but it's it's that thing like where I was saying, you have to be raised that way. But then then no, because I thought I raised my son that way, hmm. and look what he says about his daughter's future. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think it's that you're partly, and you know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this because right now my one of my prof college professors that um, for psychology is probably like would be jumping for joy, <laughs> but because I argued this, that you're a product of your environment and it's nothing to do with your genes. But I think that it's both. I think that you are a product of your environment and it is in you. It is in your DNA. And because all of my kids are go-getters. And it's funny because my son is the only one that has like all the kids and bless his heart, he has several baby mamas. But the rest of my kids bless indeed. are all like, I'm never having children. Like none of my other kids want to have children. They're like, I'm not bringing kids into this world, which kind of makes me wonder, you know, like if I wouldn't have been there when he like was born, I would think was he adopted? What did I drop him on his head? <laughs> what, what changed? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, somewhere, you know, his, in his, he, uh, that's just who he is, you know, mm -hmm. and, but 
everybody else, all the other kids are like, let's feed the world and help the world and, you know, mm -hmm. and, and then there's him. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, screw them. They're on their own. <laughs> and I'm not going to, you know, mm -hmm. be a cheerleader for my kids either. Mm -hmm. But he's a sweet kid and mm -hmm. he's a loving person, mm -hmm. but he's uh, just different, you know. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of people who feel like they had been suppressed forever. And then, like I said before, when COVID came along, it gave them permission to be obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And the, the true self shined came, through, came mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like mm -hmm. they were arrogant and self-centered and now they were given permission to be arrogant and self-centered mm -hmm. and there ain't no going back. <laughs> you know, it's out and proud and I'm, <laughs> you know, that's how it is. And mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I, I, I don't agree with it, but I do have to live with it. And so, well, it sounds like in a little bit you have the opportunity to reach a lot of people. We were talking about uh, TED Talk that you're getting ready to be able to, uh, to have, which is super cool because that'll reach a ton of people. Um, so I think you can influence it. Uh, I think you have influenced a bunch of people here. I can tell you that much. Aww. Actually, I know you have. I've enjoyed my time here. It's been, this has probably been my favorite, uh, my favorite place that we've, been. Which is so ironic, Little Alexandria, Kentucky. I know it's crazy, and I didn't even want to come here. Like we were supposed to go to Boston, and then his recruiter goes, "Yeah, you're going to Kentucky." I'm like, "Uh, -uh. <laughs> no, can what? Well, I wanna." Yeah, and then, but it's been like amazing, mm. and I've met so many people, and just like who would have thought of, you know, my love for coffee, <laughs> my need for my my morning religion of, of gosh, you know, it's like, I can't live without coffee, but <laughs> going in there for coffee and then just meeting all the people that I've met has been like really great. No doubt. Brasky, Tammy's done a great job of cultivating a good culture in that place. That place is awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you know, she's just in it for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what's sad is somebody's going to have to like buy that from her and take it over, yeah. but keep it the same. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, that's what happened with my bakery. It's like, we, we sold it. Somebody else took it over. And I still, to this day, have people emailing me going, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's no good now. Uh, you know, and it wasn't the, I mean, I sold my recipes with it. Yeah. So it's not the, it, the baked goods. It's the company. The company, yeah. And, and like Tammy makes that place and no doubt, you know, it's just like you, you know, if you weren't here, you know, doing your thing at your gym, mm -hmm. then, then people, you know, they'd be like, eh, it's not the same. I'm going to have to find somewhere else to work out now. You know, well, to be totally honest, sometimes I walk on the floor and they go, I'm going to find somewhere else to work out. If you walk <laughs> on this floor again, <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, you you're here. it. You are here, oh, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> um, I appreciate the conversation so far. Uh, One question. Yep. Don't ask me something crazy. Uh, that's, that's all I got running through this head. When you see steam coming out, that means Aww. it's going to be a crazy one. <laughs> Uh, what's the one thing that you 
would want, what's the one, like, you talk about leaving a legacy. What's the legacy, like, you would want to leave behind outside of your kids? Wow. That is so funny because my husband and I were actually talking about that this morning. Mm -hmm. That's funny that you asked that because I was, I just found out about my uncle um, and I was putting my makeup on, you know, to, to come into town today and <laughs> come into town. And, yeah. And I, and I looked over at my husband and I said, see, the world's just going on. And he just died this morning. And here I am putting my makeup on and I'm going to go on with my day. And, and, uh, he's not. And, and I'm like, I don't want it to be that way when I go. I said, it's not that I want everybody to go, uh, but, uh, I want there to be like, I don't know, a big party. No. I, I, <laughs> How big? I, I can make yeah, I can it right? happen. Um, I, I really, I don't know that I need to leave a footprint. I just want maybe one day somebody to say, man, that's the way Tracy would have done that, mm. you know, or you remember that, you know, she would make the craziest comments about, you know, I just, that would be good enough to just be thought of like that. I don't really have to, to leave anything, you know, for a, a memory, I don't think. But one thing I am doing, and I really am doing this, my friend... Uh, who my best friend, she's actually a minister. She has already written my eulogy for my uh, memorial. I'm not having a funeral. I'm having a memorial service because I'm being cremated. Mm. And uh, we're going to, um, they're going to dump my ashes in the wind because I'm like, I ought to be free, man. I don't want to be like, you know. <laughs> and But they're saving a little bit of ashes for my kids because when my husband dies, they're going to take both our ashes and like, put them in a mason jar and give them a good shake. Shake them up. And then, phew, let them go. But we'll be going together, you know. But I think um, when we're doing my memorial service, Catherine, my friend, is going to take my cell phone. Eric is supposed to give it to her. And she's going to text everybody that's in my phone and say, thanks for coming today. <laughs> it's awfully dark here. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. that is the way everybody knows me to be anyway. Yeah. So they'd be they'd look at their phone and go, Who is texting me? I'm in the middle of a uh, of a funeral here. And then my name pop up on it and they're yeah. like, What? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's happening right now. They're like, Oh, she got us again. Yeah. Like, what can I say? Well, girl, that's that would be a great legacy to leave behind, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Too I good. think a legacy would be a smile on somebody's face. That would be um, that would be a cool thing to leave behind. I don't think you need to leave a, a spot, you know, an mm -hmm. actual thing, mm -hmm. but just a, a thought or a smile or a, you know, how would Tracy do this? Mm -hmm. Would be a good a good enough 
well, I know the make, next time I'm making my waffles, I'm going to think about how Tracy, <laughs> how Tracy would stack these up and make a, make a cake out of them. Yeah, but just remember, don't make them out of cake batter because uh, you won't win the competition. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> All right, girl. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Like I said, I, I know that you, your legacy will have been left on everybody at Brasky. I can tell you that much. And I hope you, you're talking about potentially being able to come back here. I hope that that does I happen at so. some point. I hope so. I'm certain that it will. Awesome. Thank you for spending this time with me as well. Thanks for having me. Most definitely. And until next time, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.